a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And the problem that God has with that is that he didn't command it or institute it. He, he, he only wants images that he commands and institutes to be made. And when he makes himself, when, it, when the scripture says that Jesus is the very image of God, then he has made an image of himself for us, Jesus. And if we were to not have pictures of Jesus, then we would be breaking the second commandment. But now all this rests upon this moment and that you must do the right thing in order to reap the benefits of this. If you're going to be forgiven, if you're going to be atoned for, if you're going to get the imputed righteousness of God, you must then do this. And and this is what's so terrible about what we call decision theology is that it, it takes everything away of the gospel and puts it all back on the law. I mean, this is a stop the press sort of thing to see God, you know? Wow! That's amazing! Stop the song! Tell us about that! That's great! Ha! Caught ya. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, the second <laughs> most right. popular Lutheran theological game show. That's right. Until someone else starts doing it. Then it'll be the third. Time. Hey, guys, you got to stop doing what we're doing because then it'll be the third and the fourth and the fifth. We used to say it was our claim to fame. Never duplicated. Never imitated. Oh, yeah. Never duplicated. Now I forgot. And now, now we're one of those two. I think as soon as someone else starts their own Lutheran theological game show, then we are imitating them is the trouble. <laughs> yes. That is. Hey, I hope you had a Merry Christmas, Pastor Wolfman. Oh, yeah. Hey, thanks. Santa Claus make uh, it this you year. Too. How, how big was uh, a lump of coal that you got? I did need bigger socks. For the <laughs> he, he just leaves it out the front door. <laughs> All these kids have their very nice stockings, you know, and uh, and I just got a sock. Uh, did, did you have a white Christmas in Colorado? I'm dreaming of a... Hey, do you ever get snow for Christmas? Uh, last year, we had snow. We had dumped snow last year here, and nobody knew what to do with it. All these Californians uh, that have moved to Oregon are trying to figure out what this white stuff is, and they think what it means is to drive really, really fast on it. I think that's what <laughs> snow on the ground right. for Californians it softens means. The, it softens the edges. So if you crash, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no harm it's done. A gentle crash. <laughs> right. Well, in today's uh, broadcast of Table Talk Radio, we are doing a little preaching to Hollywood. I kind of forgot about that game. I think we uh, listened to some music and uh, talk about it. And then uh, some Ten Commandments in the news, something special for us uh, in that segment, um, sent in to uh, us by one of our listeners. And then also bumper sticker, church sign, and Pastor Wolfram wants to play Facebook theology, but yeah, really we've run out of bumper stickers and church signs. Here's the way to get to play Facebook theology, dear listener. And that is, don't send any church signs or bumper stickers. And then when we run out of them, when the bucket is empty, <laughs> we we delve into the Facebook, which is a riotous I, sort of group. You know, it's I feel, a lot of fun over there on the Facebook. I feel kind of Facebook.com/slash/tabletalk. We had all these things in our inbox that got lost when we switched to Trello. We just dropped it. We just yeah. So if if you had sent in a a bumper sticker that we did not ever address, it's probably because it got lost between the email thing and the Trello thing, which nobody knows what we're talking about anyway. But uh, send it again. That that would be fine. Questions at tabletalkradio.org. Okay. Well, I have a theological buzzword for you, Pastor Wolfmuller. All right, I'm ready. It is. the, And I got this, by the way, from our friends over at Theopedia. 
Um, and this is the word orthodox, and orthodox comes from two Greek words, according to Theopedia, ortho and doxa, meaning... Wasn't that what our buzzword was last week? Was it really? Oh, <laughs> did you get it from Theopedia? Um, no, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. I just It seems like we did orthodox. I think you're right, but... That's okay. But that's all right. You can't get a too much orthodoxy since, around here. Since nobody listens to our show more than three weeks in a, in a row, if I think we we're probably safe. If we could just do the safe. buzzword each week, they could do the same two buzzwords that <laughs> yeah. no one would ever know. We'll just go on a rotation, kind of like the, the one-year lecture. Imagine, yeah, imagine having a congregation where each Sunday everyone was entirely new. That is like Table Talk Radio. And if you had said <laughs> congregation, you would only, in fact, need to write one sermon. I, well, I Have I told you that um, since we're, we are on the three-year lectionary and I have now been a pastor for three years plus, I no longer have to do any sermon writing? Nice. That's pretty cool. We're on the one-year lectionary, and I've been, uh, so I've been writing sermons for 10 years now. Anyway, I mean, what's, the li- what's, what's the likelihood of someone remembering a sermon from eight years ago? I mean, no one's going to know. He's just... You're working too hard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, that's what I'm saying. I, I was on the one-year lectionary, so about nine years ago, I, I cycled through once. and Oh, I see. I thought you said that you were writing sermons for 10 years. I thought, no, over the, overachiever the, over here. The the Flammy, you know, the Flammy, he's writing new sermons. He's a baby pastor. <laughs> he's, he's pulling all the weight around here now. I bet he is. All I do is the hard work of table talk radio recording. Oh, yeah. Obviously. And you do all the hard work for that, too. All right. Uh, Orthodox. uh, Ortho meaning straight, like you go to the orthodontist to make your teeth straight. And uh, this says uh, doxa would mean right opinion or or correct thinking. I think more more, uh, accurately, more literally, would be praise, right? Doxa is praise. Glory or glory, yeah, right? So right, but praise glory. is fine. I mean, this is this is really something. I mean, th- th- we have two Greek words, uh, logos and doxa, and they they're what what the people who know this stuff say. Semantic domain is monstrous. They can mean everything. So I think the word doxa can be opinion, or thought, or statement, or praise but it's kind of root is glory mm. it has a huge semantic domain like the word logos can mean reason or it can mean thing or it can mean word or it can mean principle that holds the universe together or it can mean receipt for buying something at the store i mean whew. wait really on that last one yeah really i didn't know that Okay, so oh, man, I'm, I, you learn something every day when you record this show. I better check out, make sure it's right. Well, I'm just going to read the Theopedia.com description of Orthodox. It says, in Christianity, it generally means adhering to the accepted or traditional historic Christian faith. Uh, some see Orthodoxy uh, as that which is how they they make the history argument there. <laughs> uh, as as that which is defined by the early ecumenical creeds which would include the Nicene-Constantinople Creed. <laughs> or, uh, okay, I guess that's okay. Uh, properly known in the West as the Nicene Creed, which was formally accepted by the Second Council of Constantinople in 381 AD. The Apostles' Creed and the Athanasian Creed are accepted as ecumenical in the Western uh, Church Christian confessions, the, uh, such as the Roman Catholic Church, many Protestant denominations, um, and it, look at this. It says, uh, for example, see the Lutheran Book of Concord, where all three of these creeds are given as ecumenical. Huh. I, th- I think that's the first time in our history of reading Theopedia the Book of Concord has come up. In fact, yeah. I wonder if that's an entry. Go ahead. What's your theological buzzword? 
Um, oh, yeah. It is Incarnation. It's very Christmassy. Thank you. Uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> who is the old cartoon character that used to say, Tarnations? Do you sometimes, when someone says the word incarnation, hear it with that accent? Never. Incarnation. By the way, Book of Concord yeah. is not an entry in Theopedia. <laughs> Shock. Wow. Uh, incarnation means in the flesh. So carne is the Latin word for flesh. Like if you go to the Spanish place and get a carne asada burrito. I thought it was meat. So like the, uh, the carnivore would eat meat. Yeah, flesh is meat. That <laughs> means the same thing. Yes, go on. So when we say incarnation, that means that God is in our flesh. Now, sometimes we make the erroneous statement of speaking of our flesh like clothes, that Christ clothed himself on our flesh. We can even say that sometimes, which is right enough, as long as we understand that on the inside of those clothes were some <laughs> sort of permanent superglue that means you're never taking them off. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, we decide what to wear today. You mean kind of like two boards glued tomorrow. together? <laughs> no, it's not what I mean. <laughs> what I mean is that Christ is clothed in our flesh permanently. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. So it's not to be taken apart. So. Right. Now, the reason why Evan thinks he's so funny is because one of what is a, the, uh, the, that error that the two natures are like two boards glued together, and they say, no, this is not the right picture. If you want to picture the two natures, the the classic picture is going to be of iron and fire. So if you're a blacksmith and you are heating up a piece of iron, the fire goes into the iron, and uh, so you have the two natures joined into one, and that's the classic picture of that the church has taught us to use. The other picture is of a human soul and body. I mean, how do you say, here? here's where the soul is and here's where the body is? They're so bound up to one another that they're one. So you're saying so his divine nature was his soul and the human nature was his body. No, I'm, <laughs> you, I'm saying what you I'm saying that the picture of the human soul and human body is as probably about as close as pictures we can get as how the divine nature of Jesus was united to his human nature. Oh, okay. Of course Jesus had a human soul, human body, human mind, human everything and completely uh, 100% divine nature. Man, and that thought, is the incarnation. I thought I had Patrick as a co-host for a second. <laughs> You're just trying to trick me. Uh, I'm, I'm without your fancy learning. All right. Uh, you know what? We're, we're <laughs> coming up on a break, so we're going to uh, go to... I know. We spent so all our time talking about orthodoxy and incarnation, and now it's time for a break. So, but don't worry, after this break, we're going to hit an email and go right to Preaching to Hollywood and 500 points for me for already using Pastor Wolf Miller's buzzword. <laughs> I, I noticed it. You don't, I thought this was a rule that you don't get it if you use it in the first segment. Oh, really? That's you have a to let dumb the dust rule. Settle. That is a dumb rule. I'm, I think I'm I should, instituting it right I should now. get more credit because. Uh, I think if you use the buzzword in the first segment, you lose 500 points. No, no. See, it should be. It's harder to use in the first thing because you're you're paying attention. Well, still. that's questionable. <laughs> All right, you can send us an email if you have some bumper stickers or church science questions at tabletalkradio.org. Or the best way to get them on the air is to give us a call one eight hundred three eight five SOLA. We'll be right back. You cry no more. 
Table Talk Radio. You won't find a better show out there unless you try. Pastor Wolfmuller made a liar out of me. I said they were going to be doing an email when we come back from the break, but Pastor Wolfmuller... Skip it. Oh, my hey, you goodness. you like the new background I just put on the Trello? Uh, well, I, I haven't looked at it yet, but... Oh, yeah, clouds, and yeah, that's nice. Hey, that's Madagascar. Is that Madagascar? I don't think so. You can just say yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a nicer better, place than we went to. It's better than the, the nasty beard that you had on there before. Take it easy. All right. Um, okay, so Pastor Wolfman there is a hater and doesn't want to do your email, so now we're going to go straight to preaching to Hollywood. Yeah, baby. And uh, let's Which comes you. from an email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hater. It's from Lisa, uh, who, sh- who says, sorry to be listening. <laughs> I think that's the first time anyone's ever apologized. Yeah, we forgive you. <laughs> Don't ever do it again. Uh, here's a song for preaching to Hollywood. Carrie Underwood's There Must Be Something in the Water. Thank you, Lisa, from New York. Nice. And then she says, if the first line is an attempt at your humor. If it's offending, please ignore. No. I'm offended. <laughs> never, never offended, never duplicated. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. So, Carrie, I've never heard this song before. This is Carrie Underwood's, what is it? I'm going to look up the lyrics. Something in the water. All right. Carrie Underwood, something in the water. This is what it sounds like. You ready? Oh, oh yeah, I'm ready. All right. So far, sounds good. It's actually sacramental. <laughs> this Sac- is really interesting. Wait, I want to keep listening. I, uh, oh. uh, here's the lyrics. That's okay. I heard what he said, and I went on my way, didn't think about it for a couple of days. Then it hit me like a lightning late one night. I was all out of hope and all out of fight. I couldn't fight back the tears, so I fell on my knees saying, God, if you're there, come and rescue me. Felt love pouring down from above, got washed in the water, washed in the blood. Now I'm changed, and now I'm stronger. There must be something in the water. Hmm. Oh, look, and then then it has um, verses of amazing grace in parentheses after each line. So there must be something in the water, amazing grace. Oh, that there must be something in the water, how sweet the sound. Oh, there must be something in the water that saved a wretch 
Uh, oh, there must be something in the water, like me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I'm changed. Once was lost, stronger. Now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And then here's this line here. says, I'm now I'm singing along to amazing grace. Can't nobody wipe the smile off my face. Got joy in my heart. Angels on my side. Thank God Almighty. I saw the light. Going to look ahead. No turning back. Live every day. Give all that I have. Trust in someone bigger than me. And ever since the day that I believed, I am changed. And now I'm stronger. This is this is really something. Hmm. Now I don't know, I don't know that people are actually baptizing in rivers still. Oh yeah, it's kind of an old school. Oh, that happens. Kind of revivalistic sort of thing. Yeah, that's everyone cool. now has the jacuzzis in the church. <laughs> Which could that double? I mean, since baptism doesn't mean anything in those churches, could that double as a jacuzzi, like at youth night? Well, you got to ask Carrie about that. <laughs> that sounds like there's a story. Don't worry, we have her yeah. on the line. Carrie, are you there? <laughs> just, <laughs> there just is kidding. a story. You got to when you see her next, you got to ask her about. Hey, uh, can you ever use a baptismal uh, tank as a? I think we need to have that story on the air myself. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. Now, so okay, so so first of all, this is normally in preaching to Hollywood. It's some sort of breakup song, and someone's despairing or talking about sin, or there's some. There's, sometimes we find songs about demons or something. But here's a flat up st- song about baptism, and and the theme is there must have been something in the water. Now, p- part of the trouble, I mean, this is an artistic sort of thing. Is we so the question is, well, what was in the water, and that's going to determine what our theology of baptism is. So we say from the Catechism that it's not just plain water, but it's water included in God's command and comprehended in God's Word. So the thing that's with the water is the Word of God, and then you have a sacrament. So the the power of baptism is in the Word. That's the right. thing in the water. But w- 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 there could be other options, like the thing that could be in the water is me, because <laughs> I'm the one who's or the algae. choosing to <laughs> take it easy. I'm the one that's choosing to follow Christ, and now, so it's that's what matters? Or it could be, I, su- I suppose, just the Holy Spirit apart from the Word, so you have the Pentecostal sort of understanding of baptism, or whatever. So, but, but it is interesting that American Christianity says it's just plain water. I mean, the thing that makes water a baptism is my testimony, my changed life, etc. But here, this is saying there's power in the water, which is... A departure from that theology. Right. I wonder if Carrie Underwood's a closet Lutheran. By, by the way, we should we should probably uh, explain to the listener that earlier when you were talking about the story that Carrie had, you were talking about your wife, Carrie, and not Carrie Underwood. True. As if... Spelled different. <laughs> As if I know Carrie Underwood and I know about some sort of story about her being in a lock-in and sneaking into that the, been good. the baptismal font. Whoa, whoa, there it goes, right there. There's the story. <laughs> No, you got to ask her about it. I'm All not right. telling anything. I'm okay. not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to that story. All right. So um, uh, I'm interested then how you would preach to Hollywood in this. I mean, so how, what, what word? And I think that the starting point um, uh, would be kind of what you just said. Uh, why, uh, or maybe this would be the, the question that would get the conversation going. Was it? Was it the the baptism that made the difference, or yeah. was it uh, my commitment, my trusting, my tears, my, my prayer? Here's the prayer. Yeah. Here's how the prayer went: God, if you're there, come and rescue me. Now, here's the pro. You, you, this is the kind of this is the typical Hollywood prayer. Whenever someone musters up 
the courage to pray on film, or I guess this is not on film necessarily. In Hollywood. On, in Hollywood. <laughs> or Nashville. It's it's always this kind of, if you're there. Yeah. Oh, if you're there. If you're, if hey, you big can fella, hear me. if you're up there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can hear me. So that Hollywood is training us to pray. Uh, the first word of of uh, our prayers is if. Is, now that's is bad. unbelief. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because we pray based on faith and on pro- on God's promises. So the first word of our prayer is our Father. It's the word of faith. The, uh, Jesus, you know, starts out with his amens. Amen, amen, I say you. So th- this is really so that f- our, mm. our own prayers have this faith at the beginning. We know that what you say is true. Hmm. So James will say, if anyone doubts, um, let him not think that God hears him. It's the, so we want to pray with faith, not this kind of questioning. So that's one of the problems there. Boy, that's yeah. Uh, I, never, I don't go ahead. You, you go no, keep going. You never. I just and I never noticed. I mean, I never thought about it that way before. That Jesus starts with the amens. So whereas we always conclude, uh, yes, yes, it shall be so. Um, Jesus starts with this to say that uh, when I pray. I know that uh, my Father hears me, and so we should pray in such ways also. Right, and have this confidence. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So, so this is um, so so we don't we don't want to learn to pray from Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> if you're up there, we so dang uh, it uh, the Christian prayer. Now what am I going to do the rest of the day? <sighs> <laughs> I mean, there's so much other virtuous things we can learn from Hollywood. <laughs> Just not to pray. Table Talk Radio with Captain Obvious. <laughs> That's right. Got to be good, good at something, though. For you. Thanks, Pastor Wolf. Yeah, sure. I'm here. I'm here for you. Merry Christmas. So, um, so uh, if God, if you're there, come and rescue me. Felt love pouring down from above. So that's another problem. So that the idea that conversion is a is a matter of feeling. You got your sixth mystical sense on the inside that's activated by faith or something. Got washed in the water, washed in the blood. Now I'm changed, and now I'm stronger. Now it's this stronger is a is an interesting word. We can understand our Christian faith as a matter of becoming stronger, but often that strongerness of the Christian looks like weakness. Um, I mean, it looks like being crucified, and, and it looks like dying, and it looks like sh- struggling and and being afraid and. Uh, clinging to a little bit of faith that God hears us when we pray, etc. That's what the strength of the Christian looks like. So it doesn't. It's not like being baptized is like being immersed in some sort of the Captain America juice, where he comes out all muscly on the other side. Uh, we're baptized into Christ's death, which is important. But we can understand stronger rightly. Um, that Paul prays for the church that their faith and love would increase. And that's the kind of strength of the Christian life. Now, so if we if we kind of sort out the theology here, of course, here's the thing: you, uh, if this was a praise song and we were doing a praise song cruncher, this would be bad. But yeah. this is not a praise song; it's a different sort of thing. In fact, I think this is the attempt of Carrie Underwood herself to preach to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're right because um, uh, the Jesus take the wheel didn't uh, convert Hollywood. Maybe this one will. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a confession of faith and so for that we say uh keep trying keep going <laughs> keep working at it all right we need to hit a commercial break and then uh we're gonna do some tinkering our commercial news. breaks don't actually have commercials they do though maybe you don't listen to our own show we'll be right back table talk radio because i'm a picker i'm a grinner i'm a lover and i'm a sinner i blame my 
Earplugs not included. You're on Table Talk Radio. And we're back after that uh, brief message from our That's sponsors. A, did we have a sponsor? <laughs> well, go to commercial break. Commercials with no commercials. <laughs> you need Thanks to listen your support to our own at Table show. Talk Radio. I think that the great thing is, what do we? So now we reject donations too, don't we? Let's, People send donations, and we're like, nah. <laughs> Bing. Anyway, is pinged. Anyway, what was um, going on with that? Don't worry about it. It's under control. Okay. Why do you get? Why do you have to talk about those things on the air? Why? <laughs> are you are you embarrassed? Are you ashamed? Are we gnostics, <laughs> keeping secrets from our listener? No. Are we Answer, gnostics? No, I don't want to be a gnostic. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're being gnostics because we're not telling people about our financial woes. <laughs> <laughs> I say, let it all hang out. We don't. I don't have any woes. You can't have financial woes if you don't have bills. <laughs> <laughs> we have bills. Oh, See, okay. you don't deal with any of this. <laughs> I don't do All I do is show up in front of this black fuzzy ball and talk for 45 minutes. <laughs> you have there's no idea what goes on. more involved in our show than that? <laughs> it's a good thing that's all there is involved on this side of things. That's all I'm saying. What's next? Tinker right. Mouse in the News? All right, that's so I got, a, I got something fun for Tinker Mouse in the News. You ready for this? Yes. Listener Marianne sent this in to us. Now, uh, this is the... Uh, Ten Commandments for the Atheist. <laughs> the Atheist Ten Commandments. Yeah. Well, right. Trello really messed up the format here on this. But it says, number one, uh, be open-minded and be willing to alter your beliefs with new evidence. Okay, so the real Ten Commandments is you shall have no other gods. That apparently won't work for the Atheist. <laughs> yeah. They, they, <laughs> they reject that one. You sh- they just take out the word other. If I was doing the Ten Commandments... I mean, that would be easy for the atheist first commandment. You shall have no gods. Isn't that part of being an atheist? Being clever? No. I think that one of the th- problems with being an atheist is that they, that word atheist is not what they mean. Right. It's not that they don't believe in God. It's just that they don't believe like anything. They don't believe in belief. They don't, they don't think that you should actually believe anything, only that you should know things so that Everything, it's just pure materialism. Everything has to be measured. If you can't measure it, that's it. You can't say anything of it. So so now look at what the first commandment. Be open-minded. Be willing to alter your beliefs with new evidence. See, I, see, I, I don't even think this is a real atheist would write this thing because it would, it would say be open-minded and be willing to alter your what you know to be true of the world with new evidence. See that? All right, number two. Well, By the way, this is true for us. For, I see. I see what you're saying. So, so, so this version opens it up for the possibility of belief, whereas a true atheist would not even have that possibility. Yeah, there's not beliefs. There's, they don't have beliefs. The, you, the pro, their whole thing is the problem is that you have faith in things without evidence, or that you believe things that you haven't been proven, or you trust in things that you haven't seen. So every atheist has two stories that they will tell you. You know when you used to be a Baptist and they would tell you to prepare your testimony and you have your elevator testimony and then you have your escalator testimony, <laughs> you have your 20-second testimony and your Is that 33 real? point two. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about the escalator thing. Elevator, full show. If you, can't ex- if you can't make somebody a Christian in an elevator, 
then you are not worthy to carry your Baptist card. <laughs> That's just it. And you're like, you get in the and elevator, the, and then and you, you see lose someone. access to the jacuzzi. <laughs> <laughs> they're, reaching, <laughs> you're, they're reaching for the number three, and you're praying, oh, please, let them hit the number seven, because I don't have a three-floor <laughs> testimony. I can't get to the I can't get yeah. to the bridge. Hopefully you're on the you're Sears Tower. To K bridge. <laughs> I can't get to the bridge in, in, by the third floor. I need to then hit the seventh floor. Now, what were we talking about? Um, Athe- oh yeah, the atheists have their stories, their testimony stories, and they are of a two of a type. So you either get the how bad the church hurt me or how hip- hypocritical the church is story. That's the anti-faith story. So there's uh, here's my reasons for not being a Christian. The church is full of hypocrites. And then you have your—that's the negative side. Then you have your positive conversion story, which is how you were taking an evolution class in eighth grade, and uh, the evidence of the evolution so overwhelmed you that you gave up your superstitious belief in the fairy tale of God, and now you've become an enlightened human being that only uses the evidence to determine your worldview. See, right, and every atheist has both of those stories. By the way, so you could tell, and if they start, to, hey, how'd you become an atheist? And and they start to tell you, oh, I used to go to church and uh, all this bad. And she, no, I don't want to hear the, I don't want to hear your that story. Why don't you tell me about how, why you're a superhuman uh, martyr to reason and discovered evolutionism? And oh yeah, okay, I'll tell you that story. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So this, the corollary uh, to the to the latter would be uh, going to the uh, university and taking like a uh, philosophy 101 class and you find out that uh, your pastor never told you about something like textual variances and now you've thrown away 18 years of faith because you were able to go watch a youtube video or something like that yeah that's right and... <laughs> a martyr to reason that's what it is i mean these real if you meet a nice atheist then they don't they're not going to be all you know the non-evangelical atheist <laughs> you know what i'm talking about yeah they're just i don't believe in god but i don't really care the if agnostic one... we might say yeah, the 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 other, um, but these militant a- evangelical atheists that are out to convert the world to nothing, <laughs> they uh, they are mad about this thing, and they are convinced of their own sort of, I mean that they are outsiders. So these are the you same know, ones that would go to the trouble of creating a religion for the flying spaghetti monster just to kind of stick in the eye of those who actually believe something. Oh yeah, or, because, or who create a festivus so that they can have a holiday too. Which, if I was an employer, I would say, okay, you come in and work on Christmas, and we'll give you festivus off. When is festivus? I don't know. Oh, I thought oh. it was on the same day. Oh, is it? I'm all for the airing of grievances. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now to the atheist. Dear atheist, this is my festivus. I'm airing my grievances for you who consider yourself some sort of great martyr for the sake of truth and science. Yeah, all I of, mean, to all of our atheists listening, this is for you. Everybody, you know, here you go. You, the whole world is Christian or religious, and here you are, the small little minority dedicated only to the truth, living amongst this mass of stupefied ignoramuses. And they come and mock you and won't let you date their daughters. <laughs> And 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 all sorts of persecution that you get for being atheist, all because you've decided not to to let go of the of the of the myths that cling to your mind and believe only those things which you've seen evidence for. Not even believe to know for certain those things that you've seen evidence for. This is a there's a, there's this is psychologically diagnosable. Anyway, what's the second commandment? Festivus is Tuesday, December twenty third. Today. Isn't that, oh, yesterday, or uh, a last week ago. Week. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> table talk. People are on to us. Just, I get... People are starting to realize this isn't a, this isn't a live radio show. Dude, you know what the opposite of live is? That's what we are. Dead. Number two. Strive to understand what is most likely to be true, not to believe what you wish to be true. See, this is the atheist <laughs> martyr complex. Look, there's a lot of things I wish could be true, like heaven and Jesus and the Bible, but, you know, I just can't, I just, it can't be true just because I want it to be true. Well, by the way, nobody wants the Bible to be true because you know what it says? We're Stop wretched, doing things poor, that you want to do. Sinners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's things like commandments in there, real commandments. Strive. However, I I can I can see what um what what number two might be getting at because you've you've met people too that uh, that have a certain religious belief and it's not that they have any reason to believe this as in the scriptures say so but it's just that they want to believe it that it's true yeah. so that for they do I mean I I can see where this one's coming from. Here's the other thing about these commandments that's gotten me all worked up and it is the fact that they assume that Christians. Uh, will not change their mind with the evidence, right. and they believe only what they want to believe. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's crazy. Which, talk which right I there. mean, at, when, when at the same time you have one of the uh, key biblical authors, Saint Paul, saying, "If you have a dead body, we're out of here. We're done." Yep, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what, no. A... What other religion can you find its own uh, falsifil- falsifiability claim? But we're, what you mean? What other relationship can you do that for? No, what other re- what? religion? <laughs> this is true. Is that Christianity is a matter of history? All right, number three, the scientific method is the most reliable way of understanding the natural world. Fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, are, are, <laughs> so let's use a scientific method. Well, I guess you can't with with matters of history, but uh, I mean, so, yeah. so yeah, you, never mind that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, going to say though, look, in the present. Look, when when Jesus uh uh in his incarnation takes on human flesh and blood, he is walking in time and space. So he would have if we had the scientific method then, been subject to the scientific method. Now, you can't use a scientific method to to prove that George Washington existed, but you have to use uh historical methods, which we can do with Jesus. Number 4, every person has the right to control over their own body. Bum, bum, bum. Now we get into the atheist sacrament of abortion. <laughs> okay, explain what you mean by that. Well, so this is the, this is the whole argument for abortion. You have control over it. Nobody can control your own body. That means... So somehow the logic is like this. Now try to follow, to pay close attention. Okay, You have control over your own body. Therefore, if there's another body inside your body, you can kill it. Uh, I think there's a breakdown there somewhere. What? No. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> you use the scientific method to understand if the body in your body is a baby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, I mean, also, so this this would speak to the abortion issue, but anything else too. If I want to uh, move to Colorado or Oregon or Washington and smoke dope, it's my body. I can do whatever I want. If I want to go uh, fornicate with every person I see, then it's my body. I can do whatever I want. I mean, this this is the the anti-commandment commandment because it's, <laughs> it's giving you the permission to do with it whatever you want. Yeah. We'll be right back. Yep. Table Talk Radio. You can do what you want. <laughs> the opportunity's on. <laughs> And if you find a new way, you can do it today. You can make it all 
and we can undo you see because some people have a high pain tolerance you're listening to table talk radio Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Hey, where did we go? Uh, from Days here, we're going to hit game. more of the Atheist Ten Commandments. So far, we've hit one, two, and three. three and four. And four. The now, sacrament of abortion. Number five. As you point out, last in, every person has the right to control their own body. That means that you are not to serve your neighbor. So here, the import of the entirety of the real commandments have to do with, with dying to self and loving and serving your neighbor. Here, it says, hey. Your body, your stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, complete contrast to Christianity where it says your body is not your own, for you've been bought with a price. And so you would glorify God with your body and serve your neighbor with your body. So, I mean, so the reason the Lord has given us a body and redeemed it um, is so that you can uh, love your neighbor. You can be a service to others. And also, don't forget, and to also be loved by others, too. Sure. So we have a body so that we can give gifts and receive gifts. Yes, and, I mean, receive gifts from Christ himself as well. Yeah! Okay, number five. God is not necessary to be a good person or to live a full and meaningful life. I suppose God should be in quotation marks here. (laughs) What they mean is, what the atheist has to mean when they say God is the idea of God, Mm -hmm. which is already itself a concession that they make. But here, this is the obsession of atheists. I mean... So we I, we used to go visit the Denver area atheist group. They oh, had, I remember this. They used to get. I mean, they just started to get kind of snarky. They were all about they and they did this. They started a nonprofit organization, the five hundred one c three or whatever, which is a charitable giving group. And so you give <laughs> money to the Colorado Atheists Foundation, and then they use that money to support all sorts of secular good works. I don't know, like planting trees at the zoo, or how can an atheist think a zoo is a good work anyway? They love the zoo. That is such a... Can you imagine if someone... If there weren't a, wasn't a such thing as a zoo and someone was inventing it? It's like, well, what, what are you going to... What are you building here in this park? Well, I'm going to put a... I'm going to build a bunch of cages and then I'm going to go get animals from the wild all across the world and I'm going to ship them in boxes and put them in these cages and then you could pay me money to come and look at them walk around. The atheists would be like up in arms. Now, I don't but, know. But, I mean, how, how many times is the atheist? I mean, the atheist would have to travel the world to visit his ancestors. Now he can just go to the zoo. <laughs> it's a family reunion. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> why do they love the zoo? The zoo always has a huge foundation. Why, how come the zoo gets a. Why does the. I mean, I cannot exactly tell the difference between the zoo and the circus, except for the, the, the circus. <laughs> People actually are working with the animals, training them to do helpful or cool things. In the zoo, they're just feeding the animals and hoping they have babies. <laughs> and everyone loves the zoo and hates the circus. Let's get back to this fifth commandment. Uh, this show, by the way, is the circus. And that's why I'm sensitive to this. Yeah. But, God, okay, is so- not nece- God is not oh, necessary. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. They started this 501c3 so they could have a charitable organization to prove once and for all that God, quote, is not necessary for good works. I, I, I think that's adorable because here you have <laughs> you have you're so cute. <laughs> you're good works apart from Look God. at the atheist trying to do good works. I mean, here here they are giving five hundred dollars a month to the zoo, 
And meanwhile, Christians throughout the world have established churches, orphanages, <laughs> uh, hospitals. Uh, they've uh, been fe- feeding the uh, feeding the hungry. I mean, I mean, look at look at all the. I mean, just if you take Christianity as a whole, look at all the the great organization institutions they've established uh, for helping those who uh, do not have. Uh, a home, for example. I mean, the entire foundation for the Western civilization. <laughs> I know. It's like, hey, we, if you give us twenty bucks, we'll give it to the zebras. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. God is not necessary to be a good person. We do confess theologically that it is possible to do some degree of good works according to the second table of the law by nature. So mm-hmm. that even though our our humanity has fallen, you can still muster up something that is helpful to your neighbor apart from faith. So, for example, you have the free will to not go and kill people, to not commit adultery, to be faithful to your wife, to care for your kids, to do other sort of civil good works in that realm, you do have freedom. So that you can you can do good works, uh, a civil, some degree of civil good works apart from faith. And we agree with the atheists that that is true. You can do that. But? But it's, the reason you can do that is because you're created by God. Well, I, mean, I was so, going to say, but also that um, still in your standing before God, no matter uh, how good of a father you are or good of a husband you are, um, you're still a, a sinner standing before God. Yeah, there so, are things that you cannot do apart from faith, namely fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And that is what, those are the good works that um, that really have eternal differences. Right. In fact, they're not good works at all, believing in God. All right, number six, be mindful of the consequences of all your actions and recognize that you must take responsibility for them. Now, this seems to be a contrast with number four. Control your own body. You have con- actions have consequences, and you have to take responsibility. You know what? I think this commandment is against, I think it's against the devil made me do it kind of stuff. So it's saying just as you have control over your body, mm. so you have control over your body. So the main thing of the atheist ethic is the free will. So, but the, the it you have to acknowledge, and so there is some consistency in here. You have to acknowledge that with free will comes responsibility. I learned this from watching Spider-Man with great, how does it go? With great ability comes great responsibility. <laughs> That's good. The atheist got it from Spider-Man, too. What is that line from Spider-Man? It's better than that in in the Spider-Man. Don't worry, I'll find it. By the way, the word logos does mean receipt. I looked it up here. There he goes. Okay. Um, Yeah, so so look, uh, here here the atheist is going to say, you do something that you're responsible for it. Uh, And then I think that might go along with number seven, uh, which in itself is borrowed from the Bible. Um, treat others as you would want them to treat you and uh, can reasonably expect them to want to be treated. Think about their perspective. That's kind of goofy just to say, it's, so it's not love others or yeah. do unto others. Treat others as you would want them to treat you and can be reasonably expected them to want to be treated. <laughs> That's kind of weird. Not So it's not just treat others like you want them to treat you, but treat others as they want you to treat them. Uh, I wonder here it is by the way with great power comes great responsibility Uncle Ben Spider-Man nice I wonder I mean if the atheists that put put up the the billboards of being kind of anti-religion 
uh, understand commandment number seven of the atheist in commandments. Yeah, because I do not want to be treated with disdain because I have faith in Jesus, dear <laughs> yeah. atheist. Yeah, you mean that part? Yeah, that part. So there should be a little asterisk on this one, unless they're Christian. <laughs> yeah, think unless think you're... about their perspective. Unless they're Christian. Yeah, mock. Unless this in, includes mocking people's beliefs, then then it's okay to do whatever, we, whatever you want. Hey, look, the law always accuses, even for the atheists. <laughs> Apparently, Pa Kent said it to Clark Kent in the Superman serial back in 1948, long before it was said in Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. Well, thanks for that clarity. Commandment number eight, we have the responsibility to consider others, including future generations. Oh, yeah. So the, the, oh, okay. Yeah. This is the environment. This is carbon credit. That's exactly right. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, are you sure this isn't fiscal responsibility? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is. I mean, that's what I meant to say. This is about the balance budget. <laughs> hey, I think we should talk about uh, think about future generations, especially when those generations have been conceived in the womb, dear atheists. <laughs> no, you apparently didn't read uh, number five enough times. <laughs> but I think number nine is my favorite of all of these ten commandments. Number nine is. There is no right way to live. <laughs> In other words, never mind the previous eight commandments. <laughs> All right, In fact, then. never mind this. I'll just own ignore this. <laughs> there is no right. Li- this is someone Hey, there's no right way to live. It's like, hey, you can't boss me around. Yeah, I mean, the- <laughs> who are you to say there's no right way to live? You can't tell me what to do. Yeah, this is the whole. There's the, the great. Uh, there's no. There's no uh, absolute truth. The absolute truth of there's no absolute truth. Here's the commandment about how there's no real <laughs> commandments. And this is total chaos. There's no right way to live. That just think about that. Now, so, yeah, you, so you could understand it rightly in that hey, everybody has their own kind of gifts. So it, you know, not everyone is going to be listening to a to Lutheran talk show, and that's fine. What? There could be a person or two out there. It does not a big fan of tabletop radio. You're, say, hey, you're speaking hypothetically now, right? Live and let live, dear friends. <laughs> I mean, you won't, your life won't be, how does it say, meaningful and full. But anyway, you know, so, I mean, some people plant pine trees. Some people plant apple trees. Some people live in the city. Some people live in the burbs. You know, this is, I mean, this is fine. People are different. And there's not a kind of cookie cutter life that we pursue. That freedom is built into the Ten Commandments that gives us these vocations and these institutions which we live in. It's really quite wonderful. So there is a way that this is uh, this is true, but the problem is that there's no right way to live. The, the problem is the corollary, which is probably implied here, is that there's really no wrong way to live, and that is false. Right. There, there is a such thing as sin and a destructive life, and we don't want to be a part of that. Yep. And then number 10, leave the world a better place than you found it. Finally, they got to the Table Talk Radio uh, a mantra, you know, our, our goal, our mission statement. It is? Oh. Leaving the world a better place than you found it. All right, then. You're listening to Mission Accomplished. Table Talk Radio. <laughs> How do you think the atheist wants the world to be a better place? I don't know. I suppose by putting up billboards. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. It's probably not by giving an orthodox doctrine of the incarnation. Oh, you got it in. I used mine twice, by the way. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. 
Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to punch a cabalist on Twitter and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Well, there's no right way to live.